Good morning, Nashville. My name is Braden Gall, and this is the 444 Monday, December 14th. Today on the show, we will take a look at Tennessee's victory over Vanderbilt and what it means for the future, as well as the Vanderbilt coaching search. But we, of course, begin today with the Titans' victory over Jacksonville on Sunday. The Titans have had a tendency, not only this year, but in years past, to go on the road within the division and play way down to the competition, especially late in the year. Hell, it's happened in Jacksonville before. You cannot have a bad performance against the team you have no business losing to if you want to be called a division champion or Super Bowl contender. Sunday, the Titans did exactly what they were supposed to do, handle their business against a really bad team. Tennessee beat Jacksonville 31-10 to behind yet another monster performance from Derrick Henry against his hometown team. Henry finished the game with 215 yards on 26 carries, averaging over 8 yards per carry, and scored two touchdowns, including a 36-yard rumble to Paydirt in the final minute of the first half that broke the game open for the Titans. A lot more on Derrick Henry in just a minute. Offensively, it's the perfect game plan for the Titans. Get Henry rolling, work the play action, and find balance. The Titans attempted just 24 passes, but completed 19 of them. They topped 200 yards passing and rushing with excellent efficiency in both facets. Defensively, the Titans were much better on third down, forcing four punts and two field goal attempts on six first-half possessions. The only points the Jags mustered in the first half came on a field goal following a Titans turnover deep in their own territory in which the defense got a huge three and out. By the time Jacksonville scored its first and only touchdown late in the third quarter, the Titans were leading 31-3, having scored on four straight possessions. No, the game felt like it was over when Henry broke off that long touchdown run to end the first half to go up two scores. There is a reason the Jacksonville Jaguars have lost 12 straight games. This Titans team is clearly flawed, but it's also still sitting in first place in the AFC South, five games above 500, and poised to host a playoff game with just three games left in the season. The Colts are still nipping at their heels, tied with Tennessee after hanging 44 points on the Raiders on Sunday. So even though Sunday felt like a get-right game and a get-right situation and things felt good, there is no space, of course, to let off the pedal. All of their goals are still left to be accomplished because they treated the trip to Florida like a business trip and not a holiday party. The fact that there is no glaring headline, controversy, or major concern coming out of this win is the story itself. The Titans are extremely tough to beat when they play really good football. They just had an issue with consistently playing their best football. But on Sunday, they did that, and the result was a beer game, where fans got to kick up their feet and celebrate for most of the afternoon. The win over Jacksonville guarantees the Titans their fifth consecutive winning season. Only the Patriots, Seahawks, and Chiefs have longer streaks of consecutive winning seasons, and the Patriots' 19-year streak could come to an end this season unless they win all three of their remaining games. That shows you the company this organization has been in the last few years. The Titans, as an organization, since moving to Tennessee, had never gone more than two straight seasons with winning records. And if you're including the Oilers, the franchise has only had one streak in their entire history longer than the current run that they are on. Houston posted seven consecutive winning records from 1987 to 1993, the glory years of the great Warren Moon. Now to Derrick Henry. It was Henry's NFL record, fourth game with at least 200 yards and two touchdowns, breaking a tie with Jim Brown, Barry Sanders, and LaDainian Tomlinson. That's an incredible list to be on, like a first ballot Hall of Fame list. He was already the only running back in NFL history with at least one 200-yard game in three straight seasons before Sunday, but now he's tied for fourth all-time in NFL history with four 200-yard rushing games. 
Adrian Peterson and O.J. Simpson are tied for the all-time lead with six, and Tiki Barber has five such games. Henry is currently tied with Jim Brown, Barry Sanders, and Earl Campbell. Again, not a bad list to be on, I'd say. He's gone over 100 yards rushing now in nine consecutive road games, which is only one shy of the NFL record held by Barry Sanders in the late 90s. Only two players in the NFL entered the weekend over 1,000 yards rushing on the season, and Sunday helped Henry open up his lead on Minnesota's Dalvin Cook. Henry has 1,532 yards and is poised to snag his second consecutive NFL rushing title. The Tennessee Vols came to Nashville and almost scored as many points, 42, as Vanderbilt had players available for the game. 49, I believe, was the final count. The Vols picked up their third win of the season in the 42-17 win on West End. The game itself played out about how it should have. Tennessee's offense did mostly whatever it wanted, regardless of who was playing quarterback, against a winless, depleted roster. A 21.2nd quarter put the game on ice by halftime. Harrison Bailey started and finished 14 of 18 for 207 yards and two touchdowns. JT Shrout got a lot of reps as well, finishing 6 of 13 for 90 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. The baby-faced Bailey still looks very inexperienced at times, but made plenty of nice plays down the field, something that I really wanted to see from this offense on Saturday. His 11.5 yards per attempt is extremely efficient. Shrout showed off his arm strength as well, but was a little less efficient than Bailey. Odds are that these two will split reps against Texas A&M next weekend, which is the smart coaching decision, and then battle all offseason and all summer camp for the starting job next year in Knoxville. And they both appear to have more pure talent and upside than Jarrett Garantano in the long run. This should give Big Orange fans something to be genuinely excited about next year, if they get proper coaching and development during the offseason. Either one or both could grow into a pretty solid starting quarterback at some point. But throwing a few touchdown passes against an 0-9 team who's fielding half of a normal roster is not really anything to celebrate, or something to use to second-guess Jeremy Pruitt's decisions. That performance on Saturday doesn't prove anything. It's what should have happened. Tennessee minus 14.5 was an easy winner. Finding wide-open wide receivers is what you were supposed to do this weekend. Running for over 200 yards was supposed to happen. Scoring more than 40 points and winning the game easily is how Saturday should have gone down. Vols fans have had enough stress in their sports lives. I simply do not understand adding more stuff to the list of things you need to worry about. Should Jeremy Pruitt have gone to Bailey earlier? The answer could absolutely be yes, but not because you were good against Vanderbilt. And it doesn't mean the win-loss record for Tennessee would be any different. Do you really think Garantano couldn't have put up similar numbers against the Commodores? I'm not being rude to Vandy here either, by the way. It's simply not fair to expect them to be competitive with their current personnel situation. Hell, the only reason the game happened is because it was Tennessee and because we're mercifully nearing the finish line of the season. Vanderbilt deserves a ton of credit for playing the game in the first place. Should Pruitt have gone to Bailey or Shrout earlier in the year? Sure, maybe. It's always good to get more reps than less, and those reps would, in theory, help both players long-term. But that move would not have changed where this program is currently sitting in the SEC East. Best case scenario, maybe you win one extra game and finish with four wins instead of three. Does that change where this team is in 2021? Of course not. And one game of extra reps isn't going to make Harrison Bailey some Heisman contender next year. Revisionist fandom is one of the worst things we do in sports these days. On rare occasions, it can be mildly productive, but most of the time, it's a complete and utter waste of your energy. Like using a solid showing against the worst team in the SEC to make some grandiose claims about what should or should not have happened a month ago against Arkansas. I am genuinely not sure what purpose it serves. I've said it before, and I will say it again. What Vols fans should be worried about, 
and that does impact the future of the program, is who will be in charge of developing Bailey and Shrout this offseason. Who is designing the offense? Who is calling the plays? Should Pruitt change up his offensive coaching staff? Because even in an easy win over a vastly inferior opponent, the coaching staff didn't exactly reassure me that they will have a damn clue about how to develop these two young quarterbacks this offseason. Those are the questions that I care about right now, and those are the questions that have an actual impact on the future of the program. Arguing about whether or not Harrison Bailey could have beaten Auburn on the road in his first career start as a true freshman doesn't seem to be all that productive to me. Speaking of coaching staffs, Vanderbilt's search for their next head football coach is heating up, and there does appear to be camps forming amongst supporters and decision makers and powerful brokers. Clark Lee, the defensive coordinator for Notre Dame, who I have long predicted will be the choice, has a lot of backing with a lot of powerful people around Vanderbilt and in the SEC. He's done an excellent job with Notre Dame's defense, is an alumni, and would probably be a pretty solid head coach. But being a solid head coach isn't all that's required to be competitive at Vanderbilt. You need to be able to go above and beyond just regular old coaching to sell and market your program. We simply have no evidence that Lee will be able to do either. Meanwhile, Will Healy is universally praised by experts in the industry, myself included, for a reason. He's the perfect fit for what Vanderbilt needs. He checks two large boxes that Lee simply cannot. Head coaching experience, building a winner, and off-the-charts marketability. Healy's work at Austin P was nothing short of a miracle. Charlotte is one of the toughest jobs in Conference USA, and winning seven games in his first and only real football season is proof enough for me that his work in Clarksville was no fluke. He can create culture out of thin air, and that is what Vanderbilt needs. Lee could be a pretty solid football coach. Lance Leipold at Buffalo is an established head coach and would be a solid hire as well. Maybe even Jeff Munkin at Army too. But only one of these candidates offers Vanderbilt the entire package. Head coaching experience, a guy who's proven he can turn around the culture of a bad program, a guy who's got ties to the area and the school, as well as a guy who knows how to recruit. If I'm a Vanderbilt fan, I'm actually pretty comfortable right now because it feels like I have a lot of really good options. But only one name truly turns me on. Only one name has major upside. And his name is Will Healy. Thank you guys for listening. Please, please, please tell somebody, just one person, about the show. I really would appreciate it. My name is Braden Gall. Follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. This has been the 440 for Monday, December 14th. 440 is a production of 440 Media, written and produced by Braden Gall, music by William Tyler.